What is going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View. That's right, we have a little Monday afternoon edition of The Bird's Eye View for you listeners out there. A little bit of a Sweet 16 recap and a preview of the Elite Eight. And I'll be honest, the Sweet 16 was kind of a snoozer. Uh, we, we had two fantastic games, including the game of the tournament, don't get me wrong, which really made up for the Sweet 16. But other than that, it was very relatively lackluster. Lots of blowouts, uncompetitive games. Games that, you know, the, the two night games could have went to bed before they ended and you wouldn't have missed anything in both the USC-Oregon game and the Houston-Syracuse game. But here's the hoping that the Elite Eight is a lot more exciting and it's still March Madness. We're officially in that territory where it's like in the NFL when you start counting down, oh shit, we only have like conference championship week, that's two games, and the Super Bowl, that's three games left. All we have left in college basketball now is, you know, we have four games in this Elite Eight. We, we just have seven games left of the college basketball season, that's it. You know, two in the Final Four and then the championship games, so it's... Season's slowly winding down on us. It'll be over a week from today now. Just, oh man, it seems like the season was just tipping off in November the, not too long ago. And here we are now, four months later, ready to crown a national champion in college basketball. But first, let's get into the Sweet 16 uh, games. We'll start off with the first game that we watched, Loyola Chicago versus Oregon State. And honestly... I was out for this game, went to a bar with my friends, and these schmucks in the restaurant put us in the in the in like the worst seats. Uh, I turned my back, we're sitting outside in the oh in the shade, mind you. I'm sitting outside Saturday. I'm like, let's have a day, let's drink all day. It's sunny out, the sun was shining. I was outside having a beer at like eleven just to have one, and it was it was beautiful weather outside. And what I was waiting for was just. Let's go out. Let's watch these games, and then of course the restaurant. It, it was it was like it was like sixties. So it's that weather where you stand in the sun, you're warm. You stand in the shade, you're a little chilly. And sure enough, they put us in the shade. And me being the schmuck I am, uh, I'm in a sleeveless. I'm in a jersey, so I started to get pretty cold there. Definitely killed my vibe. And we had a bad angle from the TV. I forgot my glasses, and it was just hard for me to see the game. Uh and then I kept looking, seeing the score, and just looked very low scoring. Get, you know, literally got back for the end of this game. But just watching the highlights for Loyola Chicago, the offense wasn't there. Uh, I thought they were going to dominate Oregon State defensively, to be honest. Uh, and, or, and they did play good defense, credit to them. But the offense, again, wasn't there. They hit just a third of their shots, which this has seemed to be the trend of the tournament. Lots of defense, lots of games with teams shooting under 40%, except for Gonzaga, of course who they shot under 50% against Oklahoma, 49% their season low, which was crazy. But they were 5-23 from three, and they just did not have their best game, Loyola. They made things interesting late. Uh, they cut it to four with a minute and a half left. Uh, Gerard Lucas of Oregon State, three-point dagger in the face of Loyola Chicago to close the game out. Although, it wasn't fully over because Loyola hits two free throws, five-point game. They steal the inbounds, have a great look from three to make it a two-point game, and they miss it. From there, Oregon State hits the free throws the rest of their game, and they're moving on to the Elite Eight. What a Cinderella story Oregon State has been. They are, finished last, they are picked to finish last in the Pac-12, and keep in mind you, most people thought the Pac-12 was the worst of the major conferences in college basketball. 
and they were a team that would not have even made the tournament had they not won their Pac-12 tournament. Had they not won the Pac-12 tournament, including coming back from 16 down against UCLA in the first round of the in their first game of the Pac-12 tournament, but they make a run to the finals, and here they are in the Elite Eight. What an absolute Cinderella this team has been. Uh, it's a great story, and yeah, I'm kind of pulling for Oregon State. I love Cinderella. Uh, one of the then they're playing Oregon State. They'll be playing Houston, and Houston just won a really boring game versus Syracuse. Buddy in the Syracuse offense just never got going to be honest. Uh, even if they made it as close, they made it as close as four at some point in the second half, but Houston's really never in this game. Uh, it was tied at one point in the, late in the first half, but that ten nothing run is what really closed the game out for Syracuse. And you know one reason why Syracuse have been playing well, obviously the zone. But part of that also, their offense was playing out of their minds. The it was one of the hottest offenses in the country. Well, the Houston team was really built to beat the Syracuse offense and just shut down Buddy. They're one of the best defensive teams against a three-point shot, Houston is, which is why I picked them to win uh, on the podcast in the previous episode. They shut down Syracuse defensively from three-point range. Syracuse gets held to just 46 points, shot 28%. The 46 points... Uh, the lowest total point Syracuse has ever scored in a tournament game. And they really just weren't, again, they, they never really in the game, especially after that 10 nothing run. And, and it's not even the Syracuse zone. The Syracuse zone honestly limited uh, Houston, although Quentin Grimes shot the lights out that game. The Houston D was just even better. And for Jim Beheim, his run, his run comes to an end. I'm, I'm really, really excited for this Houston-Oregon State game. I mean, Houston has been the best team all year, and people kind of talk about Houston now the way they talk, how we talked about Gonzaga back in the day, that Houston is the new Gonzaga who, oh, they haven't played anybody, but really, Houston is still a really damn good team. They have Quentin Grounds, one of the best guards in the country, an experienced team that has made some runs in the tournament in the past couple seasons, a fantastic coach in Kelvin Sampson. So yeah, people seem to start putting a lot more respect on Houston. Uh, they're currently playing a game against Oregon State, or they have their game against Oregon State is the hottest team in the country right now, obviously outside of Gonzaga. And I just think Oregon State's going to win this game. They are an absolute Cinderella story right now. And it feels a little reminiscent of Kemba Walker's run with UConn, although I don't think it will end with an Oregon State victory. It's been a Cinderella run, and I expect it to continue for one more game. They've been playing great defense, as has Houston. I think their defense will really stifle Quentin Grimes. They have the size to be with Houston. And look, Oregon State went against Loyola Chicago, who allows the least amount of points per game in the country. And they won a gritty game against Tennessee, who is also one of the best defensive-rated teams in the country. So, yeah, I think Houston, I think it will be a great game. And I think Oregon State is going to edge out Houston being ready for that gritty defensive style that they're throwing at them. Uh, we have Baylor-Villanova, and Baylor definitely got a scare here. They were down seven points at the half, and their threes were just not falling. And honestly, it looked like Baylor could be heading towards a potential shocking upset loss here. But this team is just so damn good. S Scott Drew is one hell of a coach, and it's a testament to just how good Baylor is. Baylor hit just three three-pointers, one three-pointer in the second half. They're the highest three-point shooting team in the country. You think a if you when you think of a team like that shooting poorly from three, you think they're probably going to lose a game, right? Well, instead they just dominate, scoring nearly all their points in the second half from inside, forcing nine 
Villanova's second-half turnovers. It's just a testament to how good they are. If their three-pointers aren't falling, they're not going to fold, but instead they're going to find other ways to beat you. It just shows, you know, Davion Mitchell, Masio Teague, Jimmy or Jared Butler, although he did struggle in the game, are all fantastic players. They can beat you in many different ways. And it's not just those three. They have Adam Flagler, who came off the bench and led the team in scoring. He hit two of the team's three threes in this game and was huge for this team. So, yeah, if the, Baylor just has so many ways to beat you, and this team is so much fun to watch, and they're the second-best team in the country for a reason. They've been the second-best team all year. And it looks like they're probably on a collision course with Gonzaga. Uh, for Villanova, I mean, this team, give, I'll give credit to them. They hung with Baylor. A lot of people, myself included, rid off the Wildcats after Colin Gillespie's injury. You guys know, I picked Winthrop. I picked North Texas. And I was just not very big on Villanova. But they hung with Baylor. They gave Baylor a hell of a game. Unfortunately for them, it was their, their issues were turnovers, which, I mean, this team averages under nine turnovers a game all year. And they had nine turnovers in the second half alone. A, te- again, a testament to how good Baylor's defense is. And for them, it was similar. A recipe in their losses have been poor three-point shooting. I think they, when they lost to Butler, they were like 2 of 27. This game, much like Baylor, they only hit three three-pointers. And their inside game was just not as strong as Baylor's. Yeah, they have James Robinson Earl, who's a beast inside. But Baylor, their defense will just hound you inside. Not the way... he, James Robinson Earl can't hound... Defenders inside the way the way Baylor's defense can, and that's a big reason why Villanova lost this game. But credit to them for making it as far as they did with the loss of Gillespie, especially when nearly everybody, myself included, counted them out. And for Baylor, this was one of their worst games of the season. Jared Butler struggled, Masio Teague struggled, and one of their worst games. They still found a way to win. A testament to how damn good they are. Arkansas or Roberts, Cinderella story comes to an end here. I really thought that Admin shot went in. I mean, he shoots that, and it looks like it's cash money when it leaves his hands. I think he thought it was good. I really thought Oral Roberts hit one of the big hit what would have been one of the biggest shots in NCAA tournament history. Would have gone to the Elite Eight as a 15 seed. I would really wanted that to go in so badly. And I'm a must bus guy, but that would have just been incredible if they hit that. And also, if Oral Roberts goes to the Elite Eight, it becomes more about their run than beating Ohio State. Uh, and even so, it's probably going to go down as one of the uh, biggest missed shots in NCAA tournament history. It won't be up there with Gordon Hayward levels, but it will remain up there for sure. Uh, I mean, for them, Oral, when they had, they had this game, they were up 12, and it appeared they had a chance to beat Arkansas. I mean, the entire, it really looked like they had a chance. They're up 12. And this team had been doing better down the stretch lately. They were controlling the game, dominating Arkansas defensively. But then Arkansas's defense stepped up. Oral Roberts just could not hit their shot. And it wasn't like Ohio State or Florida when Oral Roberts came back. But this time they were blowing the lead. Uh, the defense was great for them for most of the game. Although, credit to Arkansas and Muspas for you know, making defensive adjustments late in this game to... Force Oral Roberts in the turnovers. Force Oral Roberts in the missed shots. That allowed him to come back. And, oh, man, Moses Moody, he struggled, too. He shot just 4-20. Uh, you know, just one three. And the, the team hit just one three-pointer. It really seems like Oral Roberts is going to win this game. The Razorbacks held on. What a shot by Davis to win the game. Uh, and it was a hell of a game. Congratulations to Arkansas. They're a damn good team. And all I know is Ohio State, we got screwed over because Oral Roberts proved 
they are much better than just a freaking 15 seed. It was BS. And I'm excited for this Arkansas-Baylor game tonight. Scott Drew versus Eric Musselman. Uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Two of the most fun coaches in college basketball. Two of the best coaches in college basketball. This will be a great matchup. And look, this is a t- lineup between a game between two very good teams. Arkansas, their lineup, when they're, everyone's healthy, is undefeated this season. Obviously, Baylor has been the second-best team in the year. all, all Second-best team in college basketball all season. Feels like we haven't gotten Arkansas's best game in the tournament just yet, and I'm really excited for this matchup. I think Arkansas can give Baylor a hell of a game. I think they'll cover the eight-point spread, but I just think Baylor is going to find a way to win this game. You know, they found a way to win in their worst possible game against Villanova. I think they find a way again to win this game, and Baylor is moving on to the Final Four. Much like I had going into my bracket, I had them in the Final Four. Um, we'll move on now to yesterday's games. There was Gonzaga-Creighton, and it was a, another Gonzaga blowout. I mean, come on, what would you expect? Uh, although I will say Creighton actually did not play bad. I mean, they're a decent portion of the game. They were shooting around 50%, but then they got cold while Gonzaga just didn't. And Gonzaga, you know, they shoot 60% from the field. It's kind of what they do. They, they go on these runs, and they just – blow you out of the water even when you're playing your best your best is still not good enough to beat Gonzaga I mean that team is just ridiculous it's, it's like around a 12-15 point game next thing I know Gonzaga's nearly up by 30 uh Timmy he shot 10 of 14 Nemhard, who's like their fifth best player could probably be any other team's first or second best player he was 7-9 this team is just a fucking wagon at the end of the day and, you know, I mean, yesterday was, I mean, this other game was a blowout, too. USC, Oregon, and USC has honestly looked just as dominant as Gonzaga has in these games. All all of their wins have come by 14-plus points, and you have Evan Mobley, who is just a freak inside. He reminds me of, like, uh, when I was in middle school, we had, we had this kid who was 6'5 already, and we were all, you know, small little, a tallest six foot. And he just towered over everybody. That's what Mobley looked like on the court yesterday. He won't look like that against Gonzaga, but that's what he looked like yesterday. And honestly, like he wasn't even great offensively. Like all he had was just ten points. But it's just his defensive presence makes it nearly impossible to score on the paint or score in the paint on USC. They're just incredible. And how about Isaiah White? He had his you know, the transfer at USC had his best game of the season. He dropped twenty two points. And his shot was pure cash. An easy win for USC, who's now in the Elite Eight, kind of like I predicted. So, uh, it's like I said, USC-Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. And I think USC-Gonzaga will be a decent game. Uh, I mean, USC, they have the size to contend with Gonzaga. I think Mobley can give Drew Timmy some trouble inside. But, uh, they're just not. I mean, as good as USC can, they're built to hang with Gonzaga. But I'm still taking Gonzaga because Gonzaga is just too damn good. They've been the best team in the country all year long. They're a wagon. And for the Trojans, their run ends here. But this team has been a really good team all year long. Evan Mobley's fantastic. He's going to be a top three pick. And I'm really excited to see Evan Mobley versus Drew Timmy going at it in the paint. That is going to be a fun game. But in the end, with the way Corey Kispert shoots and the way USC defends the three, I like Gonzaga to pull away in this game. 
but it's not going to be one of those games where it's kind of like a blowout from start to finish. I feel like it'll be it's probably around like a seven, eight, nine point game around a decent amount of the time, and then Gonzaga will like pull away, and the final margin will be twelve, but it'll be like a margin where it wasn't as much of a blowout as it appeared to be. Uh, another blowout, Michigan versus Florida State. Everyone, I said that I said it. Most people said it. This was the best game of the Sweet Sixteen. And it was not at all. I mean, Florida State was not remotely in this game. You know, I'm celebrating Passover. Of course, you know, we're having our Seder during this game. And I'm annoyed at first because I don't want to miss this game. This was the game I was most excited for. And it was. I could have, like, fallen asleep watching this game. Oh, my God. I mean, another game from tip-off to the final buzzer. Michigan was just in control of this game. Uh, from, just ba Baylor, they dominated inside. They scored 50 points inside, not doing most of their damage from three. And look, Florida State, the Seminoles are kind of frauds. Uh, they were widely considered to be the ACC's best team and a down year for the ACC. But how many times do we see Florida State just come out and shit the betting game? Happened against Notre Dame, happened against Georgia Tech, happened against uh, UNC in the second half. These, this team has just laid eggs before, and... Happened in the NCAA tournament. I mean, this game really, it's surprising. This game felt like it was a pick'em game and then a 1-4 matchup when Michigan was one of the favorites. And then for Michigan, like, good for them because everybody kind of wrote them off without Isaiah Livers, who is now officially out for the NCAA tournament. And here they are in the Elite Eight without, Elite Eight without arguably their best player. What a run it's been for them. And congrats to Juwan Howard. It sucks because as an Ohio State guy, I have to hate Michigan. But this team is damn fun to watch. The one game we did not have that was disappointing in the Sweet 16 was the game of the tournament in Alabama-UCLA. What a fucking game. SEC Player of the Year, Herb Jones, he choked it. He choked this game. He had eight points. He has two of seven from the line. All part of a disastrous 11 of 25 performance from the free throw line for Alabama. UCLA <clears throat> was 20 of 25. You're not going to win a game when you shoot the same amount of free throws as your opponent and they get nine more than you. Uh, yeah, bet UCLA, they get up early, 7-1. to 14-0 run from Bama, and it's like, yeah, that's the Bama we all know. They're going to come out, win this game. Blow out UCLA. Uh, but then UCLA, they got up, they're up 11 at the half, and then they missed their first 11 shots of the second half. And all of a sudden, Bama's back, and it's a tie game. We trade back and forth basket throughout the game. UCLA is eventually up 3-3. Three, three. Looks like Alabama's probably going to lose. Uh, you assume UCLA is going to foul. Credit to Alabama. They ran a play where they were, they did not get fouled on. It was, made, it was way too hard for them to get fouled. They get an open look, and we get a Dick Vitale moment going, Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> moment when Alabama hits the buzzer beater three to send... Send this game into overtime. What, just, what a shot it was. Probably the shot of the tournament. You know that's going to make one shining moment for sure. And it seems like, okay, Bama's going to win this game. Bama, my Final Four pick, is back. And they just could not do anything in overtime. UCLA could not miss. Scoring 23 points in just five minutes in overtime victory. And it was just, I mean, this was their game to win Bama. If they hit their free throws, but they choked it away. Uh, but credit to Mick Cronin. I mean, UCLA lost so many guys, transfers, injuries, uh, a player going to the G League rather than going to UCLA. Uh, Zhuzong was fouled out of this game. 
and yet they find a way to win this game. Mickey Cronin in front of his dad has been doing a great job coaching all year long. And now this historic program is just a win away from the Final Four. And, I mean, look, I said Mission hasn't missed a beat without Livers. UCLA hasn't really missed a beat without all these guys that they're missing. And it's tough. So, in my bracket challenge, I can't win anymore. FSU made sure of that. I can't win my bracket challenge anymore. So, thanks, Seminoles, you fucking frauds. Uh, if UCLA wins this game and other things go my way, I still have a chance of winning this bracket challenge and making it and winning, not, not winning the bracket challenge, but getting second place in the bracket challenge, which is still net me 120. So I'm rooting for UCLA and call me crazy, but I'm going to pick UCLA to go to the final four here. Uh, so that's, you know, that leaves the final four of Gonzaga, Baylor, Oregon State, UCLA. Still going to have Gonzaga over Baylor, like I said, but I just hope the Elite is better than the Sweet 16 because this was definitely a little boring. Uh, quick things of note, a Shaka happens as Shaka Smart low left Texas to go coach Marquette. Really a surprising move. And Mike Woodson, former Knicks coach, uh, going back to his uh, back to his alum and coaching the Indiana Hoosiers. Definitely a surprising move, but I'll break down the coaching carousel more after the season ends. Until then, enjoy the Elite Eight. Thanks, everybody, who's listening to support the podcast thus far. Remember, go check out Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter for my live tweets during the games. Go follow Jay, the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for all my latest po- episodes and release dates. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.